welcome to Just Ahead Podcast. My name is Adele Dujardin, teacher turned life and leadership coach with a passion for helping others live a life that is happily theirs. Through interviews with folks five to 10 years out of college, you will hear how they have carved satisfying careers of all kinds. Here, I speak with Leah Smart to learn how she went from majoring in agriculture business and marketing and became a learning and development partner at LinkedIn. Leah also hosts a LinkedIn podcast called In the Arena. All right, so welcome to Just Ahead Podcast, and I am sitting here, here being in screen world with Leah Smart, and I'm just... I have this huge smile on my face, as does Leah. We happen to know each other from coach training, and I've invited her to chat with us today so we can learn what she's up to and how she got there. And I have a sense that she's up to a lot of interesting stuff. So, Leah, what's one thing that you're super excited about doing at the moment? Ooh, one thing. Yeah. Okay, well, actually, funny enough, I just recorded an episode of my podcast about the Enneagram, and I'm an Enneagram type seven. So for, for anyone who doesn't know, that means there, are, there can never be one thing. There are 10 things that I'm excited about. I'd say what's most, like, what's top of mind for me is coming out spiritual. Coming out spiritual. Yeah. So tell us what that means for you. So, you know, we know each other, you and I know each other through coach training, and when I left coach training, I, I thought I wanted to do one-to-one coaching and I was like, all right, I'm going to do one-to-one coaching. I'll get clients, but something just didn't quite feel right about that. And I, but I loved the work. Like, I mean, you probably agree. It was life-changing. And at this time that I had been, you know, going through coach training, I was also going through this like process of spiritual awakening or getting on my spiritual path. And what I realized was, you know, I grew up religious, like Christian by religion, and I had separated from that in my teens and 20s. And I got to a place where I was like, I don't really know what I believe, and I don't think I believe in anything. And then I found a path. I found an opening that I wanted to share with other people. And part of the sharing is also getting through shame and scarring. And so the hypothesis that I have is that people who are millennials like myself would greatly benefit from spiritual practices, but we have divinity scars and shame and fears, whether we were never told about religion or we were like, it was like thrown at us. Like I went to Catholic high school, so I know, I know both sides of it. And yeah, so coming out spiritual has been my journey to stop my own hiding so that I can help people start to discover their own spirituality, whatever that is. Yeah. So this kind of coming out spiritually yourself and I almost feel like first it was an inward search and and discovery and then coming out and sharing has become not just something on an individual level but you're now making that part of your work so could you could you explain how that has evolved into your work life work has always been something that I've put a lot into like I'm a big career person I am never gonna be that person that's like oh I just work nine to five whatever I'm like I have it's got to be all in a hundred percent and I found that in my early mid-20s I was all in a hundred percent to things that actually didn't mean anything to me and I didn't recognize that until my late 20s when I had this crazy year of I, call, I used to call it the hardest year of my life, but it was actually the trajectory year. It was so hard and it was like the quantum leap growth year, but only looking back 
Could I see that? So, so if you're in the middle of a hard year, know that you won't see it in the moment. But I... Can I interject here? Yeah. What, what allowed you to have it be that quantum leap year? So even though you were in it, you didn't know it was going to be that, I'm having a sense that you did certain things or allowed certain things to happen so that you can now call it that. That's a good call. Yeah. So I did nothing for about 11 months of that year. I followed the path I thought I was supposed to follow career-wise. I was living where I thought I should be living. I was doing the thing I should be doing. I was so depressed. I was so unhappy. And that's kind of the challenge for people, I think, who are really tenacious at work is we'll go down a path, not necessarily realizing the path we're going down because we're just following our tenacity um, and we're not stopping to become self-aware and go, wait a minute, what am I pushing towards? Like, what's the, what am I going to, like, what's the deal? So I had to have a come to Jesus moment where I got asked to move to Chicago to launch a program I was running at the time in San Francisco. And I knew I didn't want to live in San Francisco. And what and company I, were you working for at this point? I was at LinkedIn. So I, this was still LinkedIn. Most of my career has been at LinkedIn, aside from about a year and a half. And I had been asked to move. And I had said yes, because it was the right move for my career. And that's me like torpedoing towards something just to torpedo towards it. And I woke up one day in a hotel room in Chicago and my gut literally like sucker punched me. I was like, you cannot move here. You have to go back to New York. That is the listening to that. Okay. So let me, let me pause. Listening to that is the only reason that I'm where I am now. And I can call it a quantum leap year. That is really awesome. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So it was still a really hard year. I'm not like yeah, terrible, no, not fun. No, no. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm hearing like courage that takes such courage because we can often have that voice. And then we're like, no, 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 no. This makes so much sense. I've made this decision or here's why I should do this. And we, we go right back into that torpedo ride. And when you mentioned the torpedo, I was thinking more like you were sitting on the torpedo rather than being the torpedo. You're kind of like, ah! <laughs> I'm like buckled in. Yeah, like, 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 kind of like, I don't really want to be on this ride. Yeah, and that's what I think your gut can tell you if you listen is like, are you, uh, I heard it phrased really well, Sarah Blakely that founded Spanx says, she felt like she was in the wrong movie before she founded Spanx. And I was like, oh my God, that was it. I was in the wrong movie. I couldn't explain it to anybody. I felt like nobody would get me. I was like, I feel like a weirdo. Maybe I should just like buckle up and stay on this torpedo. <laughs> Wait, like I'm, I'm successful. This is a job a lot of people would like. I've worked hard yeah. to get here. Yeah. All that banter. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny. You said you woke up in the morning. I feel like the, the, those voices of the gut, the, the inner self, you know, the true self, the wise self, whatever you want to call it, come at those moments. It's just like they're, Often they're not loud. They're just kind of quiet and they're like a pop in, but you notice you paid attention and tell us what unfolded from that. <laughs> I, I went back from Chicago. I told my manager I could not move to Chicago, that I had to move back to New York. She was amazing. She sat down with me in a conference room and was like, what do you think is in New York? And we made a list on a whiteboard. She was like, is your job in New York? I was like, yes. She was like, is love in New York? I was like, yes. She's like, your future. I was like, yes. And we just had this whole, I was bawling my eyes out while she's telling me while we're talking about this. She was incredibly supportive, but I could not stay in the role I was in because it just didn't make sense for the program. I just want to highlight that too. Cause again, you know, a lot of the people who will be listening to your story are going to be new to the working world. So, you know, mm -hmm. you were very transparent 
with someone in your work work world, you know, you, you kind yeah. of declared what you needed. And you, you didn't just kind of leave, you, you opened yourself up. Yeah. And I think like, you know, if I think back to being in my early 20s and new in the work world, a lot of my early time was spent pleasing. It was saying yes to everything. Because if you said yes, then it meant that you were a good worker, a hard worker and deserving of promotions and climbing that trajectory. And I will, I will tell you the most empowering thing you can do is say no. There's this perception that you have to earn respect or earn the right to say no, because when you're young, you don't, you haven't earned the right. So you need to wait until you're 30 to be able to say no. But the truth is it's your life. And all of this is a construct that's made up. So it's, it's really about like, how do you want to experience your life? And I will say I had psychological safety with my manager. I felt that I could share, share with her that I had failed in making this decision and trust that she would have the harness to catch me. So that is really important. But at the end of the day, like my belief is when your gut tells you something and you listen, nothing will get in your way and it will unfold. So I'll tell you what happened. So she, she supported me. I was 29 at the time. I, I decided to go back to New York for my 30th birthday. So I went back and in the week that I was there, somebody randomly introduced me to one of my closest friends, who's now my podcast co-host at the time, no clue about, we had no clue. She also ended up being the person that helped me get the job I got. I didn't even know she would be that person I met her either. I ended up going on and seeing that there was an open role at LinkedIn and a manager who I knew, my gut was like, this is your job. And I fought it. I was like, I'm getting all these, this is not the right job for me. I looked for five other jobs. My gut kept going back and going, this is the job. And then this is the, the kicker for that trip. I decided I were, LinkedIn is in the Empire State Building. I decided to walk up to the Upper West Side for, to go to a restaurant that I love. It's called Jacob's Pickles. If you're ever in New York, it's the best. I was on 72nd Street in New York. And so I'd walked at this point 50 blocks in New York. And this person slams into me at 72nd Street, like runs physically into me. And we both stop and we look at each other. And she's someone I went to high school with in Oakland, California, across the country, running. And we end up talking and I tell her I'm trying to move back to New York from San Francisco. And she said, well, call me when you're ready because my landlord has so many apartments available. And that's the apartment I'm in now is because she and I ran into each other. So I can't even, I don't believe in coincidences. That was kismet, yeah. Synchro destiny, I've heard Deepak Chopra mm, say. And like that. I've also heard God wink and you know, a kind of a play on putting the word God and coincidences together, you know, it's, oh. depending on what spiritual practice you're from, I think everyone is in agreement that things are, are astir and coming together. Once you kind of have put yourself in alignment with, you know, your inner self and outer self in terms of creating what you were designed for. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, one of the things that happened for me, I'm just, I'm thinking about, you know, being in my early twenties was I felt like a lot of my friends knew what they wanted to do and that I didn't know. And I was just kind of falling into jobs, <laughs> falling into careers, falling into locations. And I was like, when am I going to figure this out? And I, I would urge anybody that's listening, you don't have to find your passion or find your purpose that will come in fact, one of the people I interviewed earlier this year, his name's Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman. He wrote a book called Transcend about spiritual transcendence or, or 
transcendence of the human being into the spiritual realm, he says that meaning follows commitment. So as you move towards something, the meaning will arrive. But I will say the one thing that I've done the last few years that has not steered me wrong was followed my curiosities. And I think that's like the gut or the intuition or whatever you want to call it, your hunches in action, right? So if you have a hunch about something or an intuition or a curiosity, follow it, even if the threads don't make sense because they come back together. Totally agree. Yeah. And one of my favorite things to say to clients and even younger people who I know personally, my, my own daughters, is, is action brings clarity. Action crystallizes vision. You, know, you can have a sense, but normally it's malformed. There's uncertainty. You know, but follow the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. Follow the breadcrumbs. And it's, the picture starts to fill itself out. And that's where that meaning comes in. Because then, then, be, then, then there's life to it, and it's filling itself up. So yeah. true. I love the breadcrumbs. Yeah. So yeah. tell me, like, so what was the job that went along with the apartment? The role was a customer success management role. And I was doing customer success in something we call global accounts at LinkedIn, which is our our largest accounts in this specific area of the business that I was in. And I had known this area of the business. It was the only one I'd worked in. So I knew it incredibly well. Um, I knew the people, I knew the players, like it was, it was, it was honestly exactly what I needed at the time. And what I realized I needed, and this is something else to think about career wise is like, what are you optimizing for in the choice you're making? And sometimes you're optimizing for crazy growth. Other times you're optimizing for a location. Sometimes you're optimizing for a, a manager. Like it all depends. But I, I realized was what, what I was fighting was I was optimizing to move back to New York and be in a role that allowed me to take a little bit of stress off myself. And it did, it did those things. I'm so grateful for it. And it was actually in that, that I, did CTI with you. That was the reason I was able to, was because, you know, I was in this role, I was able to use the coaching that I was learning to bring back to my company. And I just happened to end up helping facilitate a couple sessions with some of the people in learning and development and met this woman who created a job for me. And so now I'm in learning and development and I'm a coach at LinkedIn coaching leaders and I'm creating, facilitating and designing courses and running my podcast. Like it could not have yeah yeah so again like you know i feel like when you were asking that question like uh, you know what's best for me right now or what do i need right now to thrive there there was a balance in that like get to new york take kind of a breather so that means a job that i can handle that allowed for some growth mm-hmm. in terms of you know extracurricular learning with the coach yeah. training and then that introduced you to a whole new part of LinkedIn, creating a relationship with this woman, having her see your blossoming talents in this area of coaching and spiritual development. And wow, 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 wow. So what, what, like, what do you have to say to yourself? Like, what are some, just like maybe two to three, like, oh my gosh, Leah, well done. So the first thing I say to myself is, holy S-H-I-T, I'm really <laughs> powerful. And I actually think we all are really powerful. So before I even got this role, I made a spreadsheet and I turned it into a pie chart. And the pie chart was what percentage of the time would I want to be doing each of the activities that I love in a dream role? And so it was like, it was like 
leadership coaching, podcast, speaking, writing, and facilitating workshops. And that is exactly what I do. But if I hadn't have written that down, and this goes to maybe some of the more metaphysical or spiritual parts of this that I, I call, I'm now calling modern spirituality because I think we need a new version of what spirituality can be for younger generations who don't feel as attached to some of the religious kind of practices that a lot of our parents grew up with is manifestation. And manifestation is not some pie in the sky BS thing. It's actually a power that every single one of us has. And part of it comes from having a desire and the other part comes from writing it down. And the other part comes from taking action, even when you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And so I would say the pat on the back is learning is I'm getting data that I can share with people to show them that this is real and that they actually have this power too. So that's part of it. The other piece of pride that I have is like, I've done a lot of personal work the last three years and it's not all been fun. (laughs) So as you know, Adele, like anyone who's a coach or has gone through this, like this isn't easy. It's not, it's not easy to grow. That's why so many people turn off that part of them because it's easy to just not look and to do other things and fill up your life. So I pat myself on the back for deciding that this is what I'm going to do and it's going to be the path I take forever. Those would be the two. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting here and two images are coming to mind. One is like just this cleaning of house internally. So like your own landscape. And, and that's kind of the other image I was having was it was a garden type landscape. Like you've, You've just really taken care of this garden and just really imagined, even though, again, you weren't totally clear of the particles, like what each flower or vegetable was going to be, you knew you wanted it to be this kind of varied place. It wasn't just going to have all one kind of vegetable. You weren't going to just be a coach. And yeah, I feel like, you know, that part of what you're saying is just declaring these, these strong desires within and acknowledging they they're possible, that they can happen. It's not something you have to delay or think it's only for somebody else to have a wonderful life like that. Yeah, and be willing to go for the ride. Yeah. Like, you know, it's one of the things that I've learned is I related so much of my own fulfillment to an outcome. Like, okay, when this happens, I'll be happy. When this happens, I'll be fulfilled. And when this happens, life will be complete. And guess what? All of those things happened and you didn't feel any better. (laughs) Like for five minutes, you're like, okay, hooray. And then five minutes later, you're back to being you. And so the going along for the ride is like, what if the outcome weren't where the fulfillment lived? What if the fulfillment lived in you having a desire and putting your efforts towards the desire and just seeing where the ride takes you? But I, you know, what's funny you said, you said about watching other people or thinking that that's their life. That was um, the last coaching course that you and I had together was, uh, well, actually it was Synergy, but Process um, was a really uh, deep and powerful coaching course that we did. And it was all about being with the hard stuff and like being with the hard emotions. And a woman who coached me during process coached me through a challenge I was having. I got to this point where I was equating it to my life felt like I was laying at the bottom of a trapeze net watching trapezers go by. And I saw how much fun they were having and how amazing life was. And I was just laying in the net, (laughs) like starfish in the net, trapped. And I couldn't, I, I didn't, I mean, who knew this would come out of me? I had no idea, but I'm a, I'm a visual metaphor person. 
And that's a big thing is like, you know, your life does not have to pass you by. No one else is living some incredible life that you can't live. It's just about peeling back some of the layers of who you think you're supposed to be so you can step into to more of who you are. Yeah, that trapeze. So now you're one of the trapeze artists. Right. And, um, <laughs> I'm trying to be an instructor. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You're training other people to become trapeze artists. So if you can say the title of your job again, and then a few favorite things of that job. So yeah, so my title is I'm a learning and development partner at LinkedIn. And I am responsible for two units of our business that are our, two of our largest units. And then also for the East Coast regions. I'm the only L&D person on the East Coast. So I oversee New York and then everybody else out here. Let's see, favorite parts of my job. I'm shaking my head because I don't even, I don't know where to begin. I have to say my, my manager, she has been like one of the biggest gifts of my 30s. Like she's a friend, she's a sponsor, she's a leader. She teaches me what it means to be vulnerable and imperfect, which is something I'm always so challenged with is like just showing up imperfectly. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without her. So, so that's just, that's, you know, the foundation. The job itself, I mean, I get to create spaces where people become better humans. I couldn't ask for anything better than to do that. And I feel so alive when I get to do that. And I feel so much joy knowing that people are becoming better people because of the work that I'm doing. And I think when I look forward, I'm someone who definitely doesn't like to play by the rules. Like if you tell me there's a rule, I'm, I'm going to find a way to break it. I'm going like, to just, it's just going to happen. I am, you know, my podcast is about mindfulness and authenticity. Really. That's what it's about is having more authentic conversations in the workplace. And that's kind of been the foray into how do we do a better job of not compartmentalizing or acting like, you know, we turn on our computers and all of a sudden we don't have souls anymore. We don't have, we don't have personalities, we don't have emotions. Everything needs to be tamped down. The truth is that's not possible. So that's been a foray into what I really care about, which is I want to give people a space where they can develop spiritually at work and, and be able to say that it's accepted, that their leaders support it, and that it does tie, you know, as any business, it does tie to our performance. It does tie to how you show up and how you show up impacts your performance. So that's what I'm excited about is kind of this thing that I'm dubbing with my manager as organizational spirituality and seeing where that goes. Like, I think the world is ready for it. And no, it's not playing by the rules, but I know it's going to change all of us. And I know that corporations, or I believe corporations have a real responsibility for helping people become better people, given the amount of time and energy we give to these companies. Yeah. And when you said it's not possible for people to turn off large parts of themselves and show up in such a narrow or camped down, clamped down way, what ran through my mind is, and what's possible if they don't have to do that, right? Like, there's a very compelling argument that there's this whole other side of who knows what, creativity, collaboration, connection, community, if people are allowed to come to work, be at work, and perform in a way that their whole selves are involved. Yeah, there's, it's so funny. There's so much fear, I think, that that surrounds so much of this, right? What if they become their whole selves and they don't, 
you know, they don't play by our rules anymore? Or what if they become their whole selves and they don't want to be in the job they're in anymore? And so there's fear around all this. It's like, but if they do that, then you're better off because they're not going to perform as well as that person who gets to figure out that your job, your team is the dream job and the dream team for them. Like it's this fear and this like idea of containing people means we get to keep the status quo. And it's, I, my belief is that that's so not true. Yeah. And the fear on the individual side, well, if I show that or share that or am that, and then I'm outside the bounds of the, the typical prototype, what, yeah. what, what does that mean for, for my job security or advancement? Yeah. It's like, it's all, it's all, um, rooted it's, in safety. It's, yeah. It's just this kind of, everybody's caught, you know, together they're, you know, the organization and the individual are caught in a cycle. I'm wondering when someone's, let's say, looking for a job or looking at a company, what are some ways for them to, to notice if, yeah, this, this is the kind of place I, I, I would feel comfortable in. This is a place where I would thrive. This culture is something that, that I feel simpatico with. It's funny, I wanted to start with intuition, but I, I'm, I may be projecting, but I'm also thinking about the fact that I, I wasn't in touch with my intuition for most of my 20s. Maybe I was in touch, but I certainly didn't listen. <laughs> so so I'll, I'll start with just like, keep it simple. Like when you look at the values of the organization, just start by asking yourself, are these values that make sense to me? Can I get behind these values? Like keep it simple. All right, so you can get behind these values. That's great. And then start looking for examples of those values playing out in real life. Like does the organization have a set of values that are sitting up on a beautiful computer screen, but you don't see any of the leadership actually doing it, right? That's incongruence. And that shows you that maybe there's a gap. It doesn't mean it's not the company for you, but it's just something to be aware of. And then I really think, you know, there's some key questions I've, I've sort of asked myself, like even coming back to LinkedIn, I, I left LinkedIn and came back was relationships. Do I have relationships here that help me become a better version of myself? Can I help people become better versions of themselves? at this company and in this role? And is this company committed to my growth? At the end of the day, I would say your gut's gonna tell you a lot about where it makes sense to be. And, you know, I think once you, once you get to that point of understanding where you're meant to be, it's actually really about making the decision that you're going to follow it. Like, that's the thing, it's, you know, all of these, there were probably for me multiple moments in my life where my professional life, where I knew there was a role I shouldn't have been in or, you know, something I should not have been doing, but I didn't follow it. So I think that's like the biggest thing I can say is if you notice a difference between what you think and what you feel, just get curious about it. Yeah. So yeah, noticing that difference between what you're thinking and feeling, that the disconnect. Yeah. And the other thing I've heard you mention several times is the joy you get from your own personal growth and helping others grow into um, themselves and blossom. And so it, it's, it's having a sense of just that nugget of something that really matters and trying to help that become something. It, I, I, cause what, what I'm thinking is you could probably hold many different positions. You could probably work at a, a variety of companies but what is very important to you is and you mentioned values in terms of looking at culture but here I'm talking about about your value matching with the particulars of your job so I feel like almost your job could change but that 
having a core value be, be met is one of the reasons you're just really singing to go to work every day. Yeah. And I really, it was, it was funny when I first started at LinkedIn, I was like, I was getting up and dancing <laughs> um, and I was so excited to go to work. And that was partially for a relationship. That was a, that's a value of mine. It was the relationships that I had. And so I saw that was a value. What I think, and, and that, it, it makes perfect sense, right? When you're getting out of college, God, you've been set free. If you did go to college, you've been set free into the world and you're going, wait, what? <laughs> it's exciting and it's scary. And so one of the first things I think we try to do when we're fresh out of college is recreate what we had. And so, you know, if you're fortunate enough, especially in the tech world, to go to a company where people are your age and they're all feeling the same, you recreate this environment that feels safe. And so relationships to me at work were the most important thing, like real friendships, all that. I'd say now, um, particularly as I got towards the end of my 20s, it wasn't relationships. It was, what am I doing here? Like, what do I want to be able to say about how I experience where I spend 60 hours a week, you know? And, and, and I, do I want to be dancing out of there or do I want to be like, you know, crawling out of the office at the end of those 60 hours or 40 hours, whatever. And I'm not overworking. I'm, I work by choice, just, just in case anyone's listening. Uh, I actually really enjoy it. But, but I think that's been a big one is it's, it's about purpose for me now. It's about meaning. It started with like finding myself and not, not even finding myself. And there I was. And, and then it became, okay, now it's time for me to contribute to other people getting there too, because I, I can attest to the joy of finding that. Yeah. And so what I hear you say is, you know, most likely from the time one graduates and, you know, a decade later, um, there's an evolution of, of priorities or a rejuggling as you go in terms of what matters and, and answering that in, in, in job, place, and position. And um, anything to add in terms of that scary feeling, you, you kind of said like, oh, wait, what? Like I'm going out into the world. Like, you know, a few words there to people who are feeling that angst. Yeah. I think it's a mix of excitement and angst. One of the things that was probably most detrimental to me, but that has also taught me so much is comparison. And so, you know, when you get out of school, what do you do? You talk to your friends about who got jobs where, how much they're getting paid, what cool city this person's going to, how many times are you going to get to travel? And you compare your life to other people's lives. And you either don't, you either stop because you realize it's a futile effort or you stop because you're forced to stop because so it becomes, you go down such different paths than other people that you literally can no longer compare. What happened for me was the latter. I was not the one who woke up and was like, I'm not going to compare myself to anyone. I was the one who, you know, moved multiple times, who, you know, had lots of different jobs and it was fun, but I wasn't, I was never, I was never the one who was like, I'm positive. I'm going to do this with my life. And here it is. And then I was the one who was single and, you know, the one who was going to weddings, who was like, not, not getting married. And then I was the one who was not having children. And I'm at such a different place now than those close friends of mine who were doing those things. 
there's no comparison anymore. We're just doing different things and that's okay. I'm wondering what you majored in in college, where you went to college, and if you ever thought you'd be where you are doing what you're doing. I'll answer that last one, no, <laughs> not at all. I majored in agricultural business with marketing in college. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is in California. It's well known for its engineering and agriculture school. So I was in the agriculture school. I'm the last person you probably would expect to see farming. I was like into fashion and I loved clothes. I didn't like getting dirty. And I was totally agricultural business for multiple reasons. So I, I did a lot of exploration in college. I took five years to graduate. I was taking all the classes. I was like photography and, you know, everything else that was fun or interesting I wanted to do except for my own major, which was at, at some point my dad was like, okay, um, you're going to have to finish or you're going to be paying for college. So I was like, right, I'm done. I'm done. So I, I say that because aside from the people I know who, you know, were pre-med and knew they were going to become doctors, um, pre-law, knew they were going to become lawyers, whatever it was, biology, knew they were going to go into, into either research or the medical field. I don't know anyone who knew they'd end up where they are now. And that's kind of the beauty of it. And it's also part of the reason, honestly, I question college and its legitimacy, <laughs> to, be, to be quite frank. Like, I think it's a, it's a great, from a social and responsibility structure, I think it's fantastic. You learn to live on your own. You learn to manage your own budget and all those great things, but it certainly isn't the end-all be-all of what you're gonna do with your life. Yeah, no, and I just feel like it brings a big sigh of relief, the sense that most people really are not where, at where they thought they'd be. And so it's just kind of like, ah, like no one really knows. So if no one really knows, then I can just kind of relax, yeah. follow those breadcrumbs and not have to have a sense of a thousand breadcrumbs down the road or just like, ah, let me just start, know that it really does work out and can work out to the extent, you know, of someone like you, your story of just having really evolved into a position through taking a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, it's, it's, it's messy. Yeah. And that was something I had a hard time with. Is yeah. Like, it's messy. Like the whole thing is a mess. Yeah. And so the more comfortable you can get with the yeah. fact that, there's, there is design beneath the disorder, mm -hmm. the better you can enjoy your life. And like the bread, I mean, I love the breadcrumbs. It's like the way, the way that I, I would talk about it too, from a spiritual perspective is like the universe is always putting you on your best and highest path. Mm -hmm. You just don't always know what that is. So mm -hmm. when you follow those breadcrumbs, you're moving towards it. But again, like none of us have real control over the outcome. So it's just like, buckle up and get ready for the ride and enjoy it. Yep. Yep. That's beautiful. I love the design by disorder. And before we go, I'm wondering if you could just quickly tell us what was your first job out of college? LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm a lifer. Oh, no, I'm a lifer. Not the job. What did you do? Like how different is it? Like what was the title? Oh, got it. Uh, so I was in sales out of LinkedIn. I, my first job was sales development. I was picking up the phone well, actually, so I started, I joined LinkedIn thinking I was going to do sales development and they were like, Hey, can you go recruit for a while? So I was actually recruiting people, uh, had no 
experience at all, but picked up the phone, messaged people on LinkedIn. This was back in the day. I was going to date me. I've already dated myself. Back in the day when people didn't think you could reach out to people who had jobs to hire them and recruit them, unless you were a headhunter, I would go out and reach out to people and say, hey, do you want to come work at LinkedIn? I'd call them on the phone. We'd have a chat and I'd get to share what the package looked like. It was, it was fun. Um, not expected, but fun. And then I went straight into sales development. So calling people and getting hung up on and hearing no's uh, from people who didn't want to buy our products. <laughs> yeah. And what is, did, did you say the name of your podcast at the beginning? So just everyone knows if they want to check it out. Yeah. So our podcast is called In the Arena. And what we didn't know before we named it is that there are like 500 in the arena. So if you want to find it, it's in the arena and you can type in LinkedIn and it'll pop up. All right. Well, I cannot thank you enough. This has been a lot of fun and I have just so many more questions, but I, I know, you know, we allotted this amount of time and that's about the amount of time that the episodes tend to run, but I'm sure other people have more questions they could possibly connect um, with you on LinkedIn or listen to your podcast to learn more about you. Yeah, exactly. And I love being on Adele, love seeing your face. And yeah, I, I mean, I could talk for two more hours too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people have things to do. I get it. Yeah. But thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Just Ahead. Be sure to rate and subscribe our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to learn more about me, visit my website at www.agoodlife.coach or follow me on Instagram at agoodlife.coach. Join us again next week to hear more folks share the practical and inspirational around their working lives post-college.